0: Well this morning I want to share with you a message that is deeply on my heart for you and it's for the church at large but I am so committed to this and I believe this so much as I was praying I felt God wanted me to speak these words to you and the title of my message this morning is called we are family we are family just say that with me we are family that means that when you walk through the door here no matter who you are you should not be feeling like you're a stranger. I love the way Nicholas greeted somebody who was visiting for the first time. Now can I tell you I visited we've been in so many churches even as as speakers sometimes uh, I, I was in a church once once uh, a while ago and after I got done speaking Nobody said hello to me or thank you or that was a nice message. I was getting a little insecure, you know. But nobody really greeted us. Everybody just kind of walked out and talked to each other. And that should never be in the church. Everyone should feel welcomed and warmed and like you belong here. Say amen. And so I'm committed to this thought about we as the church are family. Notice I'm not titling this message, you are family. It's we. I'm including Jane and me. Because we are all the body of Christ together. Now, as I begin this message, I want to share with you in the scripture, there are several pictures of the church in the New Testament. There are several pictures that the Bible relates to us concerning the church. The first one is the church is a temple. We are, the, we are a spiritual house being built together. In fact, I shared my first time here, uh, I shared a message that we are living stones being built together. This is the text. The second picture that we see, it's a prominent thought by the apostle Paul, the revelation that the church is the body of Christ. Now what does that mean? That sounds mystical and, and, and strange, but what does the body of Christ mean? Well, Paul defines it He said, we together as the church are the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the body. So Paul talks about the church being like the physical body. One body, many parts, moving together, working together, and Christ is the head. Now what do we know about the head? The head of the body, of course, it's the command center for every action that my body does. Now, I'm not medical. I'm going to refer to a few medical things. But, you know, one thing I know, without your head, you're going to be D-E-D, dead. I said that one time recently, and a little young person said D-E-A-D. They corrected me. I'm just joking with you, just checking if you're awake right now. You can't live without your head. My head dictates all of the functions of my body, voluntary and involuntary. You breathed last night because you had your head attached to all your vital organs. Say amen. Amen. Thank God. And I woke up this morning. Thank God. I woke up because my head was attached. Right now, I'm standing on one foot. I'm twirling my finger. I'm talking. It's all because my head is telling me to do that. Amen what we just heard from pastor Daniel Lau who I've gotten to know a little bit in Penang he said faith is activated by obedience if you're not obedient to your head then the body becomes an anomaly it becomes weird imagine my body walking down the street like this and my head says don't walk like that but I my body keeps walking like that it's disobedience the body's in disobedience to the head we need to be obedient to Christ our heads say amen so we see a third picture that we're God's flock. We're the sheep of God. Amen? Sheep, are, sheep have a curious and wandering nature. Sheep wander away. Sheep are fearful. That defines you and me. Just make a little sheep noise right now. Listen to them, Pastor, Pastor Ryan. Listen to them. Those are your sheep. Can I tell you this? One time I was at a church and uh, after the church service, it was me and the pastor. He's my good friend. And uh, we, were, we were walking through the church. He's picking up Bibles that were left behind and, you know, some notepads and some papers and things like that. And he looked at me, shook his head and he said, sheep droppings. <laughs> that's, that's what sheep leave behind, you know. OK, some of you got that. We're God's flock and Jesus is the great shepherd. We're the army of God. Say amen. Amen. We do spiritual warfare, and we fight. We have a battle that has already been won against the enemy. Say amen. Amen. Do you know the battle is over? Say amen. Amen. Say the battle is over. Several years ago in the Philippines, because I've been doing missions in Asia probably my whole life, but uh, in in the south of Philippines, I was in a uh, place where the island of Mindoro there was discovered in the 1980s, there was discovered a remote little island. And on that island, some Philippine fishermen, their their ship, their fishing vessel broke down and they drifted ashore to this little island. And when they landed on the, on the sands, they were greeted by a man dressed up in ragged clothing and he had a gun in his hand. He was a Japanese soldier dressed in his military uniform that had turned almost into threads. And here he was, defending the island for the nation of Japan, still in his mind, fighting World War II. Think about it. And he pointed the gun at them, and they put up their hands, and they had to announce to him, say, Sir, Japan has lost the war 40 years ago. And when they finally were able to convince him, he wept like a baby. Because for 40 years, he was alive on that island all alone. No one else was there. And he was defending Japan. That's the way the enemy is. He's still fighting. The war has been over. All we have to do is announce, Satan, you are defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me say something about the church being the army of God. Let's get over a misconception. That in order to do warfare, we have this idea that we have to be loud. We have to shout. We have to stamp. We have to march. We have to do that. That's part of spiritual warfare, praying boldly. But sometimes someone just breathing the name of Jesus. If you have no strength but you just breathe the name of Jesus under spiritual attack, hell shudders at the name of Christ. Well, the, th- the fifth picture is what we're going to talk about. The family of God. We are the family of God. Look at the text with me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, our key text. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. The whole family of God, and notice where this family of God is, it's in heaven and it's on earth. The church is represented in heaven. You know the Bible says when we stand before the Lord he will have a people of every nation, tribe and ethnicity and language and we will all be worshipping the Lord together. Isn't it an amazing thought? It's going to be in an amazing, amazing time together in heaven. So the, the spiritual family of God is not only in this world but it's also going to go on with us forever and ever. God is all about family. When we talk about family what are we saying we're talking about relationships relationships you know the bible starts with a picture of relationship adam and eve in the garden it ends with a marriage it starts with a marriage the bible ends with a marriage the marriage of the lamb to the church that's you and i and so god is into relationships and so should we be amen We can't do it alone. Can you say amen? Do you know, I can't be a Christian separate from the faith that strengthens me through others. We need each other. We need one another. Look at somebody say, I need you. I need you. Some guy's looking at some single girls. I need you. I need you. you. The church is a great place for relationships to develop. Say Amen. Keep coming. Keep coming to this place. By the way, I'm here because of relationship. I've, I've, I met Pastor Ryan the first time uh, in Penang at the church where we were serving for so many years. And when, when we met each other, I felt an affection and an affinity. The worship team was there leading the worship. I, I came here uh, and uh, I visited in your old place. And immediately you welcomed me. And I don't feel like a stranger here. And I can say this about Jane. Right away, we felt like we are so warmed by you and so welcomed. I'm into relationship because God is into relationships. We can't do it alone. Say amen. Now, here's a picture from American history in the church. The United States produced one of the greatest theologians of all time. His name was Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was also a local church pastor as well as a prolific theologian. He was in a place in Massachusetts during the winter in his small congregation ministering for year after year after year. Well, there was a, a member who stopped coming to church and Pastor Jonathan went to visit him in the winter season. When he got to church, he, he, I mean, when he got to his home, the man was sitting by his fireplace he welcomed him into the home. Pastor Jonathan sat down. They were talking by the fireplace. And the man said to him, Pastor, listen, I'm not coming to church anymore. And he started to cite some reasons. And there's always a reason to not go to church, you know. Have you ever been hurt ch- in church? Everybody has, right? Some people stop going to church because the pastor walked by you and didn't say hello. I'm, I'm not going to that church anymore. No, we don't do that. Amen. But this man, he started to cite his reasons. I don't remember them. Jonathan Edwards was listening, and he was moving the fire around in the fireplace. When the man got done, he said these words. He said, but don't worry, Pastor. I'm still a Christian. I'm going to sit here every Sunday by my fireplace, and I'm going to read my Bible while you at the church are meeting. Don't worry about me. I still love God. Jonathan Edwards said, had moved the fire around. He said, look, I want to show you a picture. The coals of fire here are the church, the family of God. But you are like this coal I've moved off to the side. Your fire, like this coal, your fire is going out. You can't keep your fire going all on your own. We need one another. Say amen. Amen. Psalm 68 verse 6 says this, God sets the solitary, the lonely ones, the isolated ones, God sets the solitary in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land. God doesn't want anyone to walk alone. In fact, my prayer today is, if this is not your church family, if you haven't joined yourself here, if you haven't been joined by God, that you will, because momentum gathers with a family of God, a people of God. Communities get changed. Nations get changed by spiritual families. That's what's happening here. I'm going to give you three key words to understanding our faith and spiritual family. Now, I've borrowed these. I'm. I'm going to let you know. I borrowed these from Rick Warren, who's been like a silent mentor to me. Rick Warren says this: these three words, believe, belong, become. Believe, belong, become. These words speak to us about something very important. The idea that we are called to not just believe personally, but we're called to belong to one another as believe, we believe, and then as a result of it, we become more and more whom God has called us to be. As Christians, as a, as a spiritual family, we need to understand something. A healthy family is marked by significant relationships significant relationships brother to brother you know i have some friends in my life some of them i haven't seen for years all i have to do is call them i've chatted now when i've been in malaysia i chatted now to we've we've been in contact with people in nepal in australia we just received an email from egypt we can have brothers and sisters who we relate to who strengthen us that we have relationships we derive strength from one another in Christ and so this idea of believe belong become is going to be the impetus of what I want to say to you. Three key words believe. See the word believe is a is a Greek word and it's akin to the word faith. It's a Greek word pisteo. Pisteo means this to trust in to cling to and to rely upon for strength have you believed on christ it doesn't just mean mental acknowledgement it means i trust in him i'm clinging on to him and i'm holding on to him and i'm not letting go and i'm relying upon him for strength this is how we receive christ in fact it all starts with believing I was in a church where I was a pastor. I was the membership pastor at a church that was growing very, very fast. Every week, we had between 20 and 80 people in membership classes. We'd have four Sundays. We'd have three services at the church. The middle service was our membership class. I, I preached it and taught it every week. 20, and 80 people, 20 to 80 people heard these words, and this is what I said. You might join a church but it is God who joins you. It's God who says this is your spiritual family. This is your spiritual DNA. When you believed upon Christ, the Bible says you were born again. You were born a second time. Jesus said this, you must be born again. I'm sure you've heard. You must be born again. Well, what does it mean, born again? In fact, Nicodemus, said these words to Jesus, Lord, how can a man be born a second time, go back into his mother's womb? But Jesus was talking about spiritual birth. I'm sure you know this because Pastor Ryan's a a great Bible preacher and you have great Bible teaching here. The Bible teaches us that we are a three-part being. We are a tripartite being. We are spirit, soul, and body right now many times we hear this in reverse order we hear body soul and spirit is this correct we are body soul and spirit i'd like to reverse it because we are more spirit than we are body do you know why i know that this is always changing all the time you know if i look back on on uh, you know like my facebook every now and then it comes up 10 years ago oh scary I had more hair, I weighed less, I looked more handsome, you know. Uh, My wife looks the same, I gotta tell you. Honestly, I'm not joking. But it's, it's scary to look back. This body's changing all the time. But my spirit is going to last forever and the body will not last forever. Well, before we were saved, Paul says this, Ephesians chapter two, verse one, you, before you received Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. What does it mean you were dead? You were spiritually not alive. Your body was alive. Your soul was alive. What is the soul? The Greek word is psuche, P-S-U-C-H-E. We get our English word psyche, from which we derive psychology, psychiatry, it comes from these Greek words, psychology, psyche logos, the study of the word of the, the soul or the mind. What is your soul? It's your intellect, it's your will. Some of you are really strong willed. I mean, you have to be sometimes. Some of you are really compliant or timid. What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? That's your soul. What makes you happy what makes you sad what drives you what motivates you that's your soul your soul is alive from the moment you are conceived your soul is developing in the womb and at birth your soul is revealed hi mom and dad here i am it's it becomes uh, it becomes real uh, and more more developed with each passing year but your spirit until you're saved your spirit is dead or i like to use the phrase dormant it's like a seed that can be made alive, but for all intents and purposes, your spirit is dead. But when you be, believe upon Christ, you are born again, and you are born into his family. Say amen. amen. I've been in some places. One time, I can tell you a story. I was, uh, I was a missionary when I, after I graduated school. I, I, I served with a mission in Europe. And we traveled across through the communist nations. And one time we had no money left. We had limited petrol. And uh, we, we approached this ministry that only one person knew about them. When we introduced ourselves, they said, come in. Come in and stay the night. Let us feed you. They treated us like we were family because we are family. Say amen. amen. We should seek to do good for everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody, no matter what their denominational background, when you meet somebody, if they're not Harvest Gen, don't say, well, where where do you go to church, brother? You know, I'm not sure about where you... No, treat them with love and respect because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. When we trust and we cling to and rely upon Christ, we are born again. You know, this, this idea of believing, it doesn't just stop with being born again. We're constantly believing for more, for greater. We're we're believing and then we're belonging to one another as the family of God. Look at this verse in Genesis. Genesis has been called the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter one, actually I'm just giving you a little reference of six statements of God Almighty. Genesis chapter one, God says this, that on the first day of creation, at the end of the day, he said it was good. The second day of creation, he said it is good. The third day of creation, six days of creation, he said it is good. Every day, he said it is good. Just say, it is good." good. On the seventh day, God rested. God took a Sabbath. Now, why did God do that? does God need to sleep and take a rest no I mean God is always on duty amen the Bible says he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep God never he's never sleeping he's never unattentive to you or to me he's always on on alert for us he's he's always the God who is present so why did he take a day of rest because he was modeling it for us because we need a day of rest. Say amen. amen. We need to unplug. We need to slow down. We need to chill. It's a strange concept for some people in a modern world. You know, sometimes I'm praying and my, my phone is right near me, and I'm thinking about, oh, I got to text that person. Oh, oh Lord, oh Lord, and I just go back to that, that text, 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 text. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back now. And then I get distracted by the by my phone right there. Sometimes it's good to put your phone away when you're, you know. Flip it upside down when you're praying or something like that. Or when you're reading the Bible. It's good to unplug. Several years ago, we lived in Singapore for six years. Let me just say this about Singapore. We love Singapore. We really do. We're going there tomorrow and meeting some of our friends, our pastor, our pastor friend. And we're going to be there. We love Singapore. But we know Singapore is a very high strung culture and society. We got in a taxi cab one time, and I always love to talk about Jesus to taxi cab drivers. Uh, but we got in a taxi and I started chatting with this taxi cab driver. I said, oh, oh mister, you know, uh, he was an older uncle. I said, oh, uncle, h- how many days a week do you drive? Seven days a week. He's kind of yelling at me, you know. <laughs> how many hours a day? 12 hours a day, seven days a week. If you do the math, that's 84 hours, you know. I, I said, uncle, you know, that's, that's a lot of work. Do you ever take a day off how can money need money he must have said the word money about 10 times in the next few sentences and then he started complaining about you know singapore and yelling and yelling and i thought dear lord this this man he he needs to take a day off <laughs> of driving his taxi cab <laughs> did you ever hear this this thought uh, you know somebody somebody said to a pastor can you meet me on monday Uh, I need to have an appointment with you. The pastor said, no, I can't meet you on Monday because Monday is my day off. And so the person said to the the pastor, a day off? The devil doesn't take a day off. And he said, well, that's true. And if I don't take a day off, I'm going to start becoming like him. (laughs) We all need a day off. Say amen. Six days, God said it is good on the seventh day God rested. Then in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 God says it was very good. But in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 he says something interesting. It is not good. Say that with me. It is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. Of course he was talking about marriage it was talking about the creation of eve and all the married people say amen Amen. please married people say a hearty or amen don't say oh me you know say amen. amen me and my wife we've been married for 39 years where has the time gone it's amazing it really is amazing and I told somebody who's, who just got married, marriage is like what they say about wine and cheese. When it gets older, it gets better. Somebody help me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage my own marriage and I'm trying to encourage you. Amen. The longer it, it ages, it gets better. That's the way it should be. But. This idea, it's not good for anyone to be alone, especially separate in the body of Christ. Believe, belong, become. Belong. You see, in a family, it's where every member is important and has value. Every member of the family is important. The littlest baby, what can they contribute to the home? Well, they contribute a lot of crying and a lot of eating and a lot of messing up, you know, nappy diapers and, you know, they contribute joy to the home because they have life. Amen? An aged person in the home and family, what can they contribute to the home? They contribute because they give to us a heritage, a legacy of love. And, and if they're Christian, they're, they give us faith. Every member is important. Look at somebody and say, You're a VIP. You're a VIP. Do you know what VIP means, right? Very irritating person. Look at somebody and say, You're a VIP. The home, the family should be a place of love, grace, forgiveness, and acceptance. You don't have to perform in the con in the context of the home do you know we we have two children uh my my daughter is married we have two grandchildren we're very excited i have to tell you we're so excited we're looking at a video of our granddaughters dancing this morning we're very excited about that and we have a son who is uh well he's 30 years old he looks just like me he's very tall he's single and uh anyway when he was about nine or ten Every time after, after dinner, he used to get up and he used to start doing like all these little acts. And he, he had like these magic tricks that he was practicing. They all failed. They were all terrible. And we just look at him and laugh at him every night. And he just thought he had to perform to give us entertainment. And he'd do all this. But you know, you don't have to perform to be accepted in the family. You just have to be. Now, family members should have responsibilities. Say Amen. You know, in the church family, listen, this is a statistic. I've, I've researched this. It takes 60 jobs or tasks to pull off a service like this. 60 things have to happen. Some of them are small. Some of them are monumental. Some of them are big. But everyone should have a part. Everyone has a responsibility in the, in the, church, in, in the church, the family of God. A place of love, grace, and forgiveness forgiveness did you ever hear this phrase i'll forgive you but i won't forget it that's not forgiveness amen i'm not going to forget it you just try that one more time i won't forget it no that's not forgiveness forgiveness is that you forget but what does it mean to forget you know god forgives our sins amen he forgives all of them they were all nailed to the cross Jesus' blood paid for and has, has the power for the forgiveness of all of our sins. But what does it mean concerning my past sins? God forgets. Does he get amnesia? Sometimes my wife and I, we've had we've had some creative discussions and our voices raised as a little decibel level, a little, little higher. Some of you are getting into it right now. That's just code language for we had a fight, you know? Afterwards... Charles Curtis went up to Jane. I said, Jane, I'm really sorry. I really feel so bad. My wife will just say to me all the time, I forgive you. Forget about it. Forget about it. Now, what does it mean? We don't remember? No, this is what it means. It means that the power of that has been deprived now. It has no bearing on our relationship right now. Say amen. It's nullified your sins have been nullified. The power of sin concerning your relationship with God, it's, it doesn't have any bearing if you've confessed your sin to the Lord. Say amen. That's who he is. I have a friend um, in, in Penang. He's, my, he's like my best friend in Penang. Pastor Albert, he said something to me a couple of times and, and then he said to me, Charles, look down. It's right underneath your feet. I said, Albert, it's, I can't see it. It's not down there. He said, Charles, look down beyond your, your tummy. Your tummy is in the way. Look down. And, and I leaned over a little far. Ah, here it is. Ah, you know. And so later that afternoon, I got a text from him. And he said, Charles, I'm really sorry. I, I made that silly joke when I was telling your, your tummy and I wrote back these, these little te- characters, 70 times seven. That's what I wrote back. How many, you, how many of you know what this is? Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, Peter said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me Till seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. Amen? 70 times seven, we don't need any math scholarship in this place. It's 490. It's an idiomatic number. It's not a number. Jane will say to me, now you, you you did that, you know, you, 410 times. Now you better be careful, you know. You're approaching the limit because 491, it's all over. Forget it. No more forgiveness for you. That's not what it means. It means limitless. By the way, he said to me, ha, 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 you know, uh, how many numbers are are, are, are am I at? He said to me, and I said, put it this way, Albert, I have to forgive. That's what I wrote to him, and he laughed back. But, you know, I want to forgive because Christ has forgiven me. If Christ has forgiven us, we should forgive one another. So I pray for that, to be in your own homes and your own families. And your, your family should be a place, a sanctuary and a refuge, a place where you love going home. Can you say amen? Do you love going home after work, after school, do you love going home on Sunday afternoon? I, I love going home. I, we've been away from home. We, we, our son is there. Like I said, he's single. Okay, Our son is there. We have a dog. Her name is Chloe. She's my friend. She, we, she's, she's upset without us being there. That's what our son says. We, I love going to my home. We have bird feeders in our yard, in our garden, and I love watching the birds. I love going home. Every home... For every believing family should be a castle of God's presence. Do you know, when I get done with a sermon, I often pray for every home and every family. I just say, Lord, bless everyone who goes home. May they be kissed with peace. May there be love in their home. May there be laughter in their home. Health, healing, provision. May they delight going home. Because, you know, there are people who don't want to go home at the end of the day. I have a friend who was a bivocational pastor. He also was driving a school bus in one of our communities and he said the last guy who got off the bus he knew he was a pastor he said to him pastor john can i just sit and talk to you he said sure what's going on and the boy started to unload and he said you know i i don't want to go home i don't want to i don't want to get off the bus and go through the door of my home mom and dad aren't home they won't be home till late i don't want to go home There's fighting at home. Mom and dad are yelling and fighting all the time. If that's true about your home, let's find the grace and the love and the acceptance of Christ from from him to us and let's minister to one another. And that's the way the church should be. Hallelujah. Do you know when we have the love of God as the church, Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another in the scripture jesus taught us to pray he gave us this lord's prayer do you know it did you ever memorize it when you pray pray these words our father which art in heaven how many know it right you know i grew up in a very religious denomination and i learned how to pray it i actually learned how to pray it in english i learned how to pray it in greek because I'm, I'm full Greek. In fact, I'm a Spartan, by the way. I'm part Spartan. Can't you tell? Anyway, it's really true. I am. I learned how to pray it in English and in Greek, but this is why I prayed it in, in English. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. It's not that. It's a model prayer. Our Father relationship But I want you to notice the absence of personal pronouns in this prayer. It's our prayer collectively. It's not just my prayer. It's our prayer together. Lord, do this in us. Believe, belong, become. We have a destiny. We have a place that God is bringing us as a church. Globally, internationally, and locally. You have a unique DNA. Your church is unique from the church down the street. They're your brothers and sisters. But the reason why you're here is because you found a spiritual family here. But together we can discover and develop our gifts in Christ. We can realize our own spiritual destiny together. I want to close with a thought, Ephesians chapter 10, chapter six, verses 10 through 17. Paul gives us this revelation of the Roman soldier com- clothed in complete armor. But Paul talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness covers your heart. The helmet of salvation covers your, your mind, your thought life, protects you from the, the enemy, in your mind. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, praying the Word of God, declaring the Word of God. The Word of God is so important. Amen. It's not just subjective feelings, it's the Bible, it's the Word. That's our authority in Christ. But then he talks about the shield of faith. Ephesians 6:17. The shield of faith, the word for shield is actually the same word in Greek for the word door. Now imagine if I were standing behind that door, you would not be able to see me because that whole door would cover me. A door has has great dimensions. Your faith has the ability to cover you concerning any attack that comes against you. Completely cover you and protect you. But the unique thing about shields was this. Paul used a specific Greek word to talk about your shield of faith. There were three kinds of shields that the Roman soldiers used. One was a small circular shield. They used that in gladiator battling. It was, it was quick to maneuver. The second shield was a decorative shield. A decorative shield. They would use that when they would march in procession and pageantry. Can I say this? This is not a decoration. Amen? This is not something I just... Okay. Sunday morning comes, sometimes some people, where's my Bible, where's my Bible, where's my Bible, where's my Bible, I haven't seen my Bible, I where's my Bible, all week I haven't seen my Bible, where did it go, oh, oh, there's my Bible. <laughs> okay, now I can go to church. No, 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 this, this is a living tool, amen? This is alive, no matter how you read it, if you read it electronically or you read it here. But the shield of faith that Paul talked about I'm going to show it to you like this with my Bible. It was curved on the ends. How many see this? It was curved. Imagine, big and curved on both ends. Because when they came under attack, and by the way, you can see this from from illustrations from Roman antiquity. When they would come under attack, a whole row of soldiers, a captain would say, Soldiers lock shields and they would all start to join their shields with these curved corners. You see, what happened was this. Many shields became one shield of faith against the enemy. We need to lock shields with each other in Jesus Christ. I can't do it alone. My faith alone can't cut it all the time. Sometimes I need to walk alone. Galatians chapter 6, Paul tells us, Galatians chapter 5, chapter 6, bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. Every man shall bear his own burden. So I have my own battles. I must go through on my own. But sometimes I need the strengthening and the bearing of burdens and the locking of shields of others. Say amen. amen. And that's what the church is. We are a family and we belong to each other. My prayer for you is that God will give us Love, grace, acceptance, believing, belonging, becoming everything that God is calling us to do. You know, I want to ask you to do something right now. If you're comfortable with it, brother to brother, sister to sister, if you're not comfortable, get over it. (laughs) Join hands with somebody in faith, brother to brother, sister to sister, if you feel okay, just doing this, locking shields. I want to pray for you as I turn it over to this worship team. You're, you're in our hearts and minds. I took some video. I took some pictures. I love to do that because I like to bring it back with me in prayer. And my heart is for you that God will strengthen you together. Amen. No one should feel isolated and alone. Bow your head with me right now. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for this great family of God. And I pray that you will bless them. Together, Lord, this church can become more powerful than what they could be alone. Individuals alone walking in a world without spiritual relationship is not your will. But here we are. We're in church together. And Lord, reward everyone who has committed here. Everyone who prays for this church. Everyone who supports the work of the Lord here. Reward everyone. And Lord, we strengthen one another right now. Would you just think about the person whose hand you're holding right now and just utter a prayer? It might be your husband, your wife. Some of you might need to make a little bit of a hand squeeze and let them know, I forgive you, or forgive me with that hand squeeze. Because God wants us to be clear with one another, to walk with one another. Lord, I pray for the blessing of the Lord. Hand to hand, Lord. We touch the hand of someone next to us, Lord. And may we not just think about ourselves in this equation, but may we pray for one another and strengthen one another. I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I believe the Lord is giving me a prophetic word here. Wow. You know, this is, Pastor Ryan, I'm just going to share with you. Sometimes I get a prophetic vision. I'm seeing like, almost like it was a, like an app game of buildings from the ground on up all throughout a metroplex, kind of like Well, all I can remember is Sim City. They're building, they're building, they're building, they're building, they're building, they're building, they're building. And I just see it throughout a city and a network of, well, I only know this from like we walk through a walkway above ground joining two, two hotels today. A network of of joining link passageways, skyways, walking between one another. A, A kingdom city, a city of believers who are joined together, networking together to see the expansion of God's purposes and his kingdom. This is what I believe is the word of the Lord. You are being built up individually in this city, but built up together. And there are people who will come from far places even to join their faith in this church family. I pray, God, for the blessing of the Lord in this spiritual family in Jesus' name. Do you love the Lord? Give Him some praise right now. Amen. Thank you so much. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.